Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on pulphockey.com. Please uh, listen, subscribe, leave us a review. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we love, love having uh, you guys listen to us and uh, love doing these each and every week, although we just took a couple weeks off. But that's because Ray was super busy. Um, with me on the line, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, former NHLer turned TSN color analyst, a veteran of uh, over 1,000 games, over 400 goals in the NHL, Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? Uh, Happy New Year. I am uh, <laughs> just back home after the junior tournament and um, uh, up in Toronto and Montreal, which was awesome and um you know had some you know maybe a slow start to the tournament but finished off in just great fashion and saw some terrific young players that should excite some of their teams and uh now it's just reacquainting myself with this other <laughs> league that seems to be going on at the same time so. do you do you get a break or when are you out next for the call in i'm in new york on friday oh so, so you get a bit of a break a bit <laughs> yeah, except we're we're moving this week, and if I'm sure most people have moved that are listening, mm-hmm. and what a colossal pain in the ass that is. I bet. Uh, well, it's like you you work like on Saturday. We, my oldest son and I, um, we we had a truck and we moved for like a U-Haul thingy, and we moved for like I don't know six hours, and we just worked our tails off, mm-hmm. and you get all this stuff over to the the place that we're moving to and you, you come back home and you're like, it's like we moved nothing. What did we just move? Like, where right. did it go? I'm with and you. So, yeah. Oh man, it is a, uh, it is quite a process. Yeah. So, yeah. That's my break. That's why I'm spending. Jeez. Oh, um, we met in Anaheim before you uh, went up to the uh, to Toronto Montreal for World Juniors, and you were telling me a bit of your prep. And then I've te- we texted a few times over the tournament, and one of the times you were like, "I'm actually doing a game right now," and and I'm like, "I, you know, I'm I'm in the U.S., so I'm not getting every game like they do at TSN up in there in Canada." And I'm just like thinking to myself, this guy. He has to do so many games, so many players. Is the World Junior the most labor-intensive job you have all year? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Although now the the World Cup, we do the World Championships in Europe yep. in May. Uh, Gord Miller and I, but there, that feels a little different. Mm-hmm. Like the the stakes seem higher for the juniors now. Right. Like for example, the gold medal game, the average audience was five point two million. Yeah people um there's 33 million people in the country <laughs> right you know so you want to get everything right or yes. as right as you can and i would say oh god uh, maybe 75 percent of the players uh a month before the tournament you're starting out from dead scratch mm-hmm. and they don't finalize the rosters, the complete rosters, until Christmas night. The tournament starts yeah, the next yeah, day. Yeah. So we're in a constant scramble of information and, um, you know, trying. And then once you get the information, you have to boil it down into something you can use. Yeah. And it is, um, and then on top of that, you have to, um, you have to learn the names. Yes. And so Gordon and I drew what we consider the short straw in, um, in the preliminary round because we had Latvia yeah. in, in our group. And it's got nothing to do with the way they play the game or the uniforms they wear or anything like that. Right. It's the way their names are spelt and pronounced. So they had a guy, or they had three guys on, this, on the Latvian team. Okay, so one guy, his last name is Z-I-L-E. 
That's Zile. Zile, okay. Z E I L E is Zile. Z E I L I S is Zaylis. <laughs> and two of these guys are defensemen. So oh. they're on the ice at the same time. <laughs> right, right. It's and so like... every once in a while you're like, oh, I think I got that one right. Yeah. And then if, if you've ever seen a Latvian name written, they have these random S's on the end. So, like, the goalie, his name is Merrick, but there's an S at the end. <laughs> right, right. And you're just like, okay. Okay, sure. Yeah, right. I guess. And there, I don't know. It's just, it becomes one of the challenges of, of doing the tournament. And then. And, and, well, not only the names, you have to know, okay, is this guy drafted? Where is he drafted? Where is he yep. playing? What's. Well, Gord, <laughs> Gord does, uh, Gord Miller does, um, he puts together these documents uh, that have their age, current team, and uh, draft status. Mm-hmm. And so that comes, we, you know, we have that as yep. kind of a hard copy per team. And then, you know, what I end up doing is talking to, um, like Gordon and I are, what's, what's really been kind of cool is our, our partnerships developed into, I kind of know what he needs and sure, yeah. and he kind of knows what I need. So we end up talking to some similar people, but a lot of different people. Um, you know, I'm more into scouts um, and, um, you know, what does this player skate like? What does mm-hmm. he look like? Yep. Uh, how does he play? Gord's into, you know, how did you draft him? How did you trade for him? Sure, um, yeah, yeah, right. I like you that. know, so yeah, you right. try to put together a picture. And, of course, we do way more or we have way more detail on the U.S. and Canadian players mm-hmm. and so the Swedes and the Finns. You know, the Russians, it's tough to get information sometime about them. But you've got to dig a little bit. So what's cool is I get to keep in touch with um, general managers and scouts, and then you can do a little NHL research while you're at it. So it's a it's a busy month, but I I really really like it. Yeah, I can imagine, man. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I watched most of the games from, that I could on NHL Network involving USA team, and then you know they they did a couple Canadian teams. They picked up the TSN feed, so. I heard you, but I'm thinking about all these games that I have no interest in watching or didn't have time to watch, and you're there, and you're calling it, and you're into it, and I'm just like, how does he know these guys? But, um, well, anyways, uh, so shootout, six, uh, it wasn't 6-5 like I thought, 5-4 shootout for uh, USA. Um, everyone on Twitter, you know, shootout sucks. Shootout, we, we know that, but it's been an international rule before it was an NHL rule. It is what it is. We know it. At least there's a 20-minute overtime. Right. The, the thing, know. Steve, with... Look, I, I talked to Bob Motzko um, for about two minutes mm-hmm. uh, right after the game, the U.S. coach, USA coach I, yeah. while they were putting the, uh, the carpets out for the ceremonies and all that. You know, there's a little bit of dead time. And so sure. I just leaned around the gra- glass and said, hey, congratulations. And I said, I don't know if you had a chance to enjoy that, but that was, right. that was an incredible game to watch. And he said, oh, it was, um, it was an awesome game. He goes, crappy way to win. Yeah. Like at that yeah. time. Wow. Yeah. You know, like right away. Yep. Yep. And then I saw Jimmy Johansson, who was the head of USA Hockey the next morning, and he said the same thing. Yeah. And I, nobody really likes it, except you cannot, on the other side of the equation, most long overtime games are dreadful. Yep. That's, What's exciting that's a good point. Yep. The end. Yep. In the middle, you get a bunch of guys that are so exhausted they can't go up and down the ice. Yep. What, what I would like to see them do in that 20-minute period is play the first 10 minutes at 5-on-5 five five, mm-hmm. and then go 5 minutes of 4-on-4 four four, and then 5 minutes of 3-on-3. Three three. Yeah. You'd and end then it if then. you have to go to a shootout, you go to a shootout. <laughs> right. But you've exhausted the other, um, mm-hmm. the other options. Um, I, I, don't, I know when the shootout came in, um, I was probably on the side with a lot of people that, oh, this will be fun. It'll be cool. We'll get yep. to see this skill. And after about two years, you're like, ah, man, this is brutal. Yeah, I'm with like you. It, yep. Like yeah. no more. Yep. And I, I, I know in the NHL, they, they're, they don't want to have a tie. They want to have an end result. Um, I get that. In a tournament, um, you know, in the crazy part of this tournament was that in the uh, preliminary round games, if they were tied, they went to three-on-three. Three. 
I didn't know it went that. right to three on three. I didn't, I didn't know so that. I guess I never saw. Why one, not have right? the same rule all the yeah, time? Yeah, really, right? <laughs> and and but anyway, they yeah. you know that's just the way it is, um, and it's unfortunate, and it's unfortunate for the U.S. in a way because it would be nice to score you know in a in team fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Canadians, it it's a little bit more worse because they got a silver medal, not a gold medal, but that was. An unbelievable game to watch. It was, and yeah. Steve, you and you and me talk a lot about our. I think we're both on the same page here about. Uh, I'd like a little bit more offense in the game. Yeah, I don't want to see eight eight, <laughs> but I want a little more offense. Mm-hmm. And of course, I get all these people. Whenever I say that, they tweet me and say, "Oh, there's also great low scoring games." But honestly, if that gold medal game was one one going into overtime. Would we have viewed the whole night anywhere near as excited? Yeah. Not a chance. No way. Yep. No way. So 4-4 was awesome. Mm -hmm. If it would have been 3-3, that would have been great too. But when the game was 4-2, because of the way the game was played, there was a chance for a comeback. If that game's 1-1, now teams are starting to nurse the game. There was no chance to nurse the game. Yeah. And, And that, to me helps make an exciting product. Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess in the end, it doesn't matter the Canadian goaltending situation between Carter Hart and Connor Ingram because they made it to the gold medal and they lost in a shootout, and Carter Hart played pretty good. Not great, I don't think, but pretty good. Um, And every game I saw Parsons play, Tyler Parsons of the U.S., I thought it was great. But um, there was... Again, we the we t- we previewed this on a, on our podcast before we before the tournament, and we talked about goaltending. And you said that's a spot where we're going to see what happens. Carter Hart's the favorite. Well, Hart sort of um, spit up the biscuit a little bit to start the the yeah. uh, this tournament. Ingram came in, then Ingram showed some weakness, and Hart came in. Um, do you have any issues with the way the goaltending played out uh, for Can- Team Canada? Here, here's what I think about the. I think in the tournament because it's so short. Coaches think about every decision almost too much. Mm-hmm. And it becomes, they're analyzing their analysis. So if you think Carter Hart is your starter, I would have played him three of the first four games. Mm-hmm. I would have played him games one and two and four. Four was a, So he would have played against Russia, the U.S., and their second game. I think that was, uh, that might have been Latvia. And then Ingram would have got the third game in um, Slovakia. Uh, that was against okay. Lat- or that was against Slovakia. Slovakia, yeah. So at that point, you would evaluate where you're at. And the reason I say to do that is that if the goalie always thinks he's in a competition, and don't forget, we're talking about 18 and 19 year old kids here. Yep. Think about how insecure you were. At that age, mm-hmm. hey, the coach is talking to that guy longer than me. Well, he must <laughs> like him more than me. Right. You know, you get older and you're like, I don't care. Good. I don't have to talk to him. Right. But at the time, <laughs> yeah. it's a big deal. And so these kids are all, you know, it's not like they don't get, they don't have social media or they don't read Twitter or they don't, they don't, there's such a focus around that position. I think one of the ways you pull some stress out of there is you say to them, look, you're getting three of the first four games. Yep. And then we'll see from there. Yep. So the kid just goes and plays. At, at the end of the day, Ingram had his chance. And by the way, he is a 10 out of 10 as a kid. Oh, is he? Yeah. He is, yep. Oh, my. He's funny. Um, he's got a real loose personality. He'll handle this, mm-hmm. you know, the way he got pulled in the semifinal game. He'll handle that, and it won't be a problem. But in the semifinal game, when Hart had to come in, he was brilliant. He was great. Yep. You know, he came in, and within, oh gosh, I don't know, within a minute or two, uh, Canada was shorthanded. Sweden had five shots on the power play. Mm-hmm. Like, what if it's 3-1 or 3 nothing? Yeah. Then, then you might not get back. Yeah. I'll be honest. I thought Sweden. I thought, I, I thought when they pulled Ingram, I'm like, it doesn't matter. Sweden's been the best team. This is it. Like, like, this is too late for Canada. Yeah, I really thought I'll that. tell you, Steve, I'm with you. And I thought going into the game that Sweden had the best team in the tournament. Yep. But um, Canada took away the heartbeat of their team, which was Sweden's defense. 
And all through the tournament, Sweden was able to skate the puck out, pass it out, and that really got them moving. They were they were a pretty quick team. Mm-hmm. And what you saw pretty quickly, even when Sweden was getting out to the lead, um, which was, of course, helped by a couple of misplays in goal, mm-hmm. um, their defense weren't getting back to the puck quite as quick. It's no fun getting your face pressed up against the glass. <laughs> right. And so after a while, you go back just a little slower. You go back a little more cautiously. And I thought as the game went on, I didn't think Canada was going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. They did it. And so basically it's like cutting their legs out. And um, Canada played in their last two games, they played as well as they could play. Yeah. And, and, you know, it it earned them the win against the Swedes and then into the gold medal game against the Americans. Who were some guys uh, on any teams um, that elevated their games, impressed you? Um, Give me a few names that you were like, wow, okay, I knew this kid was good. I didn't know he was this good. Is there a few that come to mind? Uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll I'll start with a a draft-eligible player, uh, Nico Hischier. um, From from uh, Switzerland, Switzerland, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be apparently a top-five pick. uh, we saw him last year as a 16-year-old, um, skilled, got good size. You know, he's not a not a giant, but he's a six-footer. You know, so good mm-hmm. size. He's going to put on some weight. Good hands. He'll get to the, you know, he can handle the puck when he's when he's in traffic, which is a which is a real difference as opposed to handling it when nobody's around. He gets he gets into the into the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, Slovakia's goalie is a guy named Adam Huska. Spelt Huska. He's a Ranger seventh round pick, and he seventh. got pounded seventh round in goal. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, seventh rounder. You know who? You know who? Another seventh rounder is Henrik Lundqvist. He did pretty well. Oh, was he, was Henrik a seventh? I didn't. I know he was back there. I didn't know he was seventh. Yeah, he was a seventh rounder. <laughs> Jeez. And so he would be. He would be another guy. I would say is um, that really impressed me in the tournament. Uh, the Swedes have a couple guys. The guy that. I couldn't wait to watch is this 16-year-old Rasmus Dahlin. Right. Oh, my God. He's now, 16 years now old. Now, let me ask you this. I heard, is he Ulf Dahlin's kid or not? No. Ulf Dahlin's kid. <laughs> you got to this okay. is tricky again. Help me out. So you've got number eight is Rasmus Dahlin. Mm-hmm. Number 27 is Jonathan Dahlin. Okay. Spelled the same. All right. I was confused. Jonathan Dahlin okay, right. is Ulf Dahlin's kid. Okay. All right. And he plays far differently, but he's a very good player. Okay, but the Darlene, sixteen-year-old. So Darlene, yeah. I hadn't seen him before. Super impressed. Like that kid's got poise and skating mm-hmm. ease, and he's gonna be, he's gonna be really good. And there's not too many sixteen-year-olds that make impacts at this tournament. No, virtually none. Right. And and not only did he make an impact, but you can see that his limit, his ceiling, mm-hmm. is miles away from where he is. Yeah. And then that gets me into the U.S. guys. The guy that I hadn't seen live before is Jordan Greenway. Oh my God, the guy that is Todd Bertuzzi. <laughs> he's six foot five. He's got soft hands. Mm-hmm. He drives the net. He makes good passes. He can see the game. I just I love that kid. He is a terrific player. Somehow Minnesota got him in the second round. I'm not really sure how. Yeah. <laughs> but like how well, we got to that point? Maybe he sprouted um, up. Maybe he wasn't six four when they got him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, maybe yeah, maybe he was six one in the draft, and he put right. on four inches. You know, I don't know. I don't know. And a terrific player. Uh, another guy is Troy Terry, who became the shootout wizard. Yeah, he wizard. was he was the guy, right? Yeah. But he's really slick, really mm-hmm. smart. Uh, Anaheim fourth rounder. Um, he's only about one hundred and sixty five pounds, so it's going to take him a little bit of time. But he seems to be one of those guys, a little bit like um, Joe Pavelski, maybe. Mm-hmm can move around, he's a centerman, he plays the wing, he can kill penalties, he plays on the power play. Like, I was really impressed with him. Uh, Colin White and Clayton Keller were were outstanding. Keller faded yeah. a little bit as the tournament went on. White did not. Like, those were yeah. those were impressive guys. And then you mentioned Tyler Parsons. He made... He was good. Man, yeah. Oh, my God. He made a couple of stops that were just outstanding in overtime. And then, you know, you get to the, the Canadian team, and um, you know, the best player, most impactful player for Canada by a mile was Thomas Shabbat. Mm-hmm. He was 
outstanding. He played 44 minutes in the gold medal game. Did he really? I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. 44. Yeah. Like, um, and then there would be there would be two other guys that really I didn't know a lot about till the tournament started. Uh, Nikola Waz, a Carolina fourth rounder. Mm-hmm. He was really good. He's big. He's, he kind of projects to be, uh, I'd say, a number three or number four defenseman. Mm-hmm. And then. A lot of people in, in the States probably don't know um, about Philip Myers, who didn't play yeah. um, after New Year's Eve. He was hit by the U.S. captain, Luke Cunning. Where did you stand on that hit, by the way, before we get into it? Where That's did you a st- good hit. I thought so, right? I thought it was okay. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a good hit. It was unfortunate that um, Myers you know, went straight backwards mm-hmm. and hit the back of his head on the glass. Right. It, it was a hard hit, but you're allowed to hit hard. Right. Okay. And uh, so he is a terrific player. Somehow, you know, I said, how did Greenway get through the draft? Yep. Or to the second yeah, round? Yeah, to the second round, yeah. How did this guy go all the way through the draft? He's six foot five. He's right-handed. Mm-hmm. He can skate. I don't get it. Take a shot at him in the seventh round, somebody. Yeah. But they didn't. And he is a really good player. The Flyers signed him. Those, were, those would be maybe a, a dozen or so yep. guys that really impressed me. Um. And on the other end of the scale, uh, I kept waiting. I really thought Pierre-Luc Dubois was going to be the number one center uh, for the team and, and really show what he can get. Of course, drafted third overall by Columbus, um, but never really got it going. And, and from what I read and listened to, it's sort of a continuation of his junior season. Um, very much so. Yeah. Um, now, he played left wing here, so there's always this little debate. Is he a winger? Is he a centerman? Um, what I found is a guy that can drive play because he's powerful. He's a really good skater. Mm-hmm. I don't know about his offensive instincts. Like just, you know, some guys just get to the right place. Yeah. And you don't even know why they're there, <laughs> except it turns out to be the right place. Some people might have and said that about the, some people might have said that about you, Ray. Like how do you get there? <laughs> uh, well, honestly, I mean, I I think one of my great strengths mm-hmm. was because it wasn't when I was big or strong right. or had a great shot. Mm-hmm. It was that I, for whatever reason, I could see where I needed to be. Yep. And, you know, as opposed to a guy who today is called an energy player who skates like hell and you don't even really know where they're going except they're going there fast. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the difference between uh, someone with instincts yep. perhaps and someone that doesn't. So I'll give you an example. Was the, um, with about five minutes left, uh, Dubois missed a wide open net on a pass from Matthew Barzell. Yeah. So Dubois came, or when the puck went across the net to Barzell, as soon as Barzell didn't one-time it, your, your brain has to click in that that thing's coming it's back. It's coming back, right. Sure, yeah. And he whiffed it. Now, it looked like he was a little surprised. It also, now this is getting really kind of nitpicky technical, mm-hmm. but his body was still squared up to where the pass was coming. Mm-hmm. If he opens his hips up as he's going to the net, 20 degrees. Yep. Now he's got a better angle. All he's got to do is shove it in the net. Yep, yep. And that's, that's a little bit of what an instinct is. And um, he, it, I don't know, because I hadn't seen him before, um, I don't know if, you know, we came back from camp and had, like a lot of guys do, the a little bit of the NHL blues, you yeah, know? Yeah, bummed. Yep. Yeah, you're bummed, you're back, and oh my God, I'm playing in a junior game again, yeah, I hate and I'd the, want to be in the NHL. I, I hate the, I want chartered flights and everything. Yeah, I want all this other good stuff. Right. I mean, that happens a lot. Now, we'll see what happens here in the latter part of the season, but um, he'll be back next year on the team, I would suspect, um, unless he makes this crazy jump mm-hmm. and, and gets himself in the Blue Jackets lineup, and it's not unheard of. Um, I don't know how many years ago, four years ago, I guess, uh, Nate McKinnon mm-hmm. uh, was playing for the Canadian. Uh, he was a 13th forward. He had a cage on. Um, he looked like a bantam player in the <laughs> tournament, like he barely played, and he looked like it was above him. Next year, he was rookie of the year. Yeah, so it happened. You know, like that yeah, was in right. seven months, and yep. so it can happen for sure. Um, but he had a disappointing tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, something I wanted to ask you about that I've, I've tracked over the years, uh, Ilya Samsonov is a goalie for Russia, playing in the KHL. He was drafted in the first round by the Capitals, who seem like they're kind of set in net. 
Um, is this kid ready to come to North America and go to the A? Is he? What's his? What do you hear about uh, Ilya Samsonov? He was, like I said, first um, goalie drafted. He's capable yep. of um, of competing at that level for sure. Um, I, I see a really athletic guy um, that is fast, and he gets around the net in unorthodox fashion sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go way back, even before you, um, to one of my favorite descriptions of a goalie that I've ever heard. Okay. Um, he played with the Flyers in the, in the 70s. His name was Doug Favell. Yep. He ended up playing with the Leafs. Former Maple Leaf, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And... Um, the description, I always remember this, was he's like a bowl of jello without the bowl. <laughs> it's just kind of everywhere. <laughs> and that's a little bit of what Samsonov is like. Right. So before he could be really effective here, he's going to have to tighten up his technique. Okay. And like an offensive player who's just better than everybody else and then has to learn the game as he gets older, it's a little bit of that for Samsonov. I mean, he's... His athleticism has probably carried the day forever. And now when you get into older guys that shoot better, that don't take as much time to shoot, I think they would poke holes in him a little bit. Okay. He made a save in overtime against the Americans. He was facing the backboards, and it hit him in the back. <laughs> I don't now, I gotta watch that. Nice game. save and all, right. but I and and not being a goalie coach, I'm almost certain that is not taught anywhere. Right, right. Yeah, you're not an expert goalie expert, but you just <laughs> oh no, no goalie expert. But I do think they put the pads in the front for a reason. Right. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Of course, there's always the money of the KHL, and there's a chance maybe he never comes over. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, there's always a crapshoot with yeah. the Russians for right. sure because they have an option that other people don't have. Um, and the very best players will make a lot of money and they get to live at home. And maybe that's where they want to be. And, you know, who are we to critique that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Ray Ferraro on the uh, Paul Pocky podcast. Get it on iTunes Stitcher. If you're going to make a, a purchase on Amazon, there's an Amazon banner on there. You can uh, go through that and we get a small slice of that. As well as two under, the number two UNDR, the best men's underwear out there. Use the code Ferraro20 to save it. Two under. Um, all right, let's, uh, well, let me touch on one more thing. I uh, probably should have given you a heads up about this question to give you some time to think. But okay, so the World Junior, Toronto and Montreal, full of NHL executives, scouts, front office people, you name it. Who was the most interesting guy you had a. A hotel bar chat with. I mean, it's got to be just so much info coming across, and not all well, of it that you can share. I, I'm not I, like I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say necessarily, but um, at various points in the tournament, mm-hmm. um, I had a chance for maybe twenty to thirty minutes to talk to a couple of GMs that I know quite well, and found it really, really interesting about. Um, you know the state of their team, mm-hmm. what they have on the horizon, what they're what they might be looking for. Um, you know how yeah. difficult it is to make a deal. Um, you know, you know people yeah. want like for example they're trying to make a deal, and they're willing to move two different players, mm-hmm. and teams are asking for a third <laughs> guy that's <laughs> not one of their two. Right. And so they're like, okay, so that can't work. So because if they make that trade, they feel like they're getting stronger in one area and yeah. weaker in another. Uh-huh. And just listening to the stuff that goes into it, like a lot of us, um, you know, I'll say in the media or fans or yeah. what have you, will say, why don't they trade this guy for that guy? Mm-hmm. And in talking to these managers or talking to these player personnel directors, um, or assistant GMs that I get, you know, I get yeah. lucky enough to run into and chat with. There's so many other factors other than the very obvious. Right. How does he fit in with our team? Like, what, what's his personality going to be like in the team? Yep. Um, what's his cap hit? What's his contract going to be going forward? Mm-hmm. Um, do we have enough money to make that contract fit? If we trade one of these guys, what's our organizational depth like behind it? Yeah. Because let's say you trade a defenseman, but you're not really deep on defense behind mm-hmm. your seven NHL guys. Yep. And somebody gets hurt, then what? Now yep. you've got to find somebody from there. 
Like, you know, eventually you, you got to be careful. You don't put yourself on a treadmill. Yeah. That, that never stops. I mean, you've got to so, be, yeah, you've got to be looking really fascinating stuff. I, I, I love it. I bet. That's what I mean. Like, and we just had our season opener, uh, Supercross race. Timu was there, by the way. Team. Oh, he loves the speed, doesn't he? I know. He? he was there. He wrote, a, he wrote a lap around the track, like really slow. But it's really impressive that he could ride a lap around the track. I was pretty pretty blown away. Anyways. Yeah, Timu likes his fast cars for sure. Yeah, so Timu. So anything else I could see him being really interested in. We had our season opener Supercross race, and I was talking to a team owner, and he was telling me that he thinks one of his guys is faking an injury. And I'm like, oh, my, this is like, I can't print this right now. I know it's just the off-the-record stuff, but this is the kind of stuff you hear. And, you know, not faking injuries, oh, and but yeah. But for sure right, you do. Right. And the frustration of managers come out. And what I find a lot with teams, um, everybody sees the warts on their players. Right. Because they see them every day at practice and they mm-hmm. see them every game. And they don't often view other players the same way until it gets close to making a deal. Then it's like they almost they're trying to pick the guy apart to see if he still works. Yeah, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, it's like they want to know. It's almost like they they're trained to be suspicious, <laughs> to, to have like an antenna up. Like, hmm? yeah, they're like, wait a minute, you know. So that's that's uh, it was really. Really cool to talk about with them about. Well, I mean, half these guys in the in the front offices you played with, they're your buddies. Yeah, I'm, uh, right? <laughs> uh, for me in media, this is a real sweet spot. Right, right. Um, you know, like guys going into the Hall of Fame. I played against all these guys. Yeah. I have a in my in my own system. I have a good idea whether a guy could or should or maybe is a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. The managers are all. In the early 50s or later 50s, I've played against these guys. Yeah. Some of them <laughs> you don't get anything from because they didn't like me then, and why are they going to talk to me now? Right. Uh, um, but others, you know, quite a few of them, you've, you've built some kind of relationship, and there's a commonality of, of the game. And I think, you know, I've built um, a little bit of a reputation as being honest and fair. And yeah trustworthy so you know you you get information you just you can't just be if if one guy tells you something you can't go tell somebody else i mean yeah yeah absolutely otherwise that's that's the last, as you know that's right. the last time they tell you anything yep, absolutely yeah i've gotten busted by like i got a scoop on a, on a team switch a few years ago and then uh so it was a really it was from an agent and uh um so a, a mutual friend of mine said hey where'd you hear that from i gave the agent's name because this guy had nothing to do with the deal but the team that was switching, you know, also knew this guy and said, where did Mathis get his deal from? The guy said, yeah, this agent, that agent got blown up last time I ever did that. You know, I'm just like, yeah. okay, that's it. Can't so do it's that. It's a bad lesson to learn. It makes you feel terrible. Yep, and, absolutely. So and you uh, just can't, you know, and it's not I mean, unless you're one of those guys that's digging and investigative all the time. Yeah. You know, you're, you don't mind getting into that stuff. I don't want to put somebody's position in jeopardy. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it's just to making a deal. Right, right. Um, like, and even, I don't and even, do that. And even McKenzie and Dreger at TSN, you know, th- that's their job, but they're, they're really good about it. Oh, the stuff those guys have yeah. that they don't use, right. all of them. Right. You know, Bob and Dregs and yeah. Elliot. Pierre LeBron yeah. and yep. Elliot and those guys. I mean, they they have a bunch of stuff that – it must just bubble under them somehow oh, because they can't use it. I hear stuff about families and, and moms and dads, and I'm like, I can't put that in there. But no, they're, but yeah. these parents are crazy, and this is what's happening behind the scenes, yeah. and you know what I mean, and all that. So, um, all right, let's get into the NHL a little bit here uh, before we uh, wrap up. Lots to talk about. No guests today because I, I got a million questions for you. Um, first up, I guess. So my beloved Maple Leafs, who are on fire, uh, though the Habs cooled them off a little bit. Um, they have a week-long break, and I forgot about this because it was announced a while ago. In exchange for the World Cup, I believe, Ray, the, uh, the NHL gave the PA um, a week-long break. Do not go to the rink. Don't work out. Week off in the middle of the season. I forgot all about this, and honestly, I'm not sure if I like it. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, my it, guess is that you know, saying that the schedule will be compressed, everybody mm-hmm. will get a week off to – 
to rest in the second half of the year. In theory, great idea. In reality, terrible idea. Right. Because you take five more days out of a 179-day season where you have to play um, 82 times in, in 178 days, I think, and now you're going to cram it shorter by five, minimum of five. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. And so, great, you get five days off, but Montreal, this week, starting today, they play six games in nine days. Yeah, the games still have to get played. <laughs> yeah, you don't get to subtract three you don't want to play. Right. And so, I would say this will be the last year that that ever happens. Because, yeah, everyone's been saying about this compressed schedule, and I didn't get it because I forgot about this week off. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah, no, that's, that's it. I think this is a one and done. Yeah, really? Okay, all right. Yeah, so it's interesting. Well, can you imagine, like, who's wow. going to agree to it next year I, when everybody realizes how bad it is? Yeah, maybe that's it, right? So, okay, all right. Yeah, six and nine is, is yeah, brutal. Um, the Metro Division, the juggernaut Blue Jackets, of course, while you were off of the World Juniors, their streak ended. And nothing against the Blue Jackets. Nothing against the Blue Jackets. But when I kept seeing the list pop up on the screen of all-time undefeated streets, and number one was the Penguins team that had about eight Hall of Famers, and you know because you guys somehow beat them in 93. I have no idea how. The New York Islanders. Uh, well, we were, we just, we stymied them or something or other. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Or, or the bus got lost, one of the two. But I kept thinking, like, the Blue Jackets are not these Penguins. But damn it, Ray, uh, they were doing it. It's phenomenal. Well, here's the crazy thing. So they won 16 in a row. They've got 60 points. They're three points up on Pittsburgh. Yes, yes. That's my next question. I was talking about this Metro division. And nobody, 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 nobody has uttered a peep about the Capitals. And they're five back of Columbus. And they got nine losses. Yeah. Nine regulation losses. Like, there's nowhere to breathe. If you you look at, you know, not just, excuse me, like not just that Metro Mm -hmm. um, division, but the first five teams are separated by five points. Now, the Rangers and Montreal have played more games. The Rangers, three more games. Yeah. But still, yeah. you it's, know, it's, it, all that work, and you're like, well, you're kind of nowhere. I mean, you are <laughs> yeah, somewhere, yeah, but, but you're, it's not like you're racing out ahead. You six, know, there's, yeah. Let's see, there's, in, the, in the league, there's five teams with less than 10 regulation losses. Pittsburgh, okay. Yeah, Montreal, okay. okay. Washington, okay. Columbus and Minnesota? <laughs> right. Huh? Sorry, didn't have those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's nuts. And I, I mean, I guess, look, we're, we're halfway through the season. Columbus is for real. They really are. They're getting... They, uh, they're a good team. Yep. They're deep. They're, I, I still don't get why their power play is so fabulous. <laughs> Me neither. Nope. Um, you know, I see they put Curtis McElhaney on waivers today. Saw that. Yeah. Um, they're, uh, they called up a youngster, uh, Anton Forsberg, who's had a really good start in the American League. they got to get Bobrovsky a couple of days off. And Edmonton put Jonas Gustafson on waivers as well. Your backup can't go in there and occupy space. He's got to win half the time. Mm-hmm. His save percentage has got to be about the league average. It can't be way below. And so both these teams are looking to make a, a little bit of a change. If I'm Edmonton, I'm actually interested in McElhaney because their young guy in the minors, Laurent Boissois, you don't want him coming up and sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. That does him no good. Right. So, I, I mean, I, I could see something like that possibly working. So I didn't look into this too much. What's Edmonton going to do for a backup? Well, it's either Boissois yeah. or... They're going to have to call somebody okay, yeah. up. All right, so. Or rather, pick somebody up. Because Boissois is their top goalie in the American League, I guess. But wouldn't they have already planned I guess they yeah. could call up, um, I'm trying to think, uh, they have a veteran goalie there as well. Um, they could call, I mean, do you want just a placeholder? Or do you want <laughs> yeah, somebody that right. maybe somebody. can win you a game? Right. And that's something they have to have to think about. Oh, wait, i got to touch on this because Puyari got sent down, too, as you saw this yeah. morning. Um, and so the fin- 
the Finns fired their coach in the junior tournament. No, no, they fired the whole staff. The whole staff. Uh, is that Yuri Lettinen still in charge of that program? Yeah. Okay. So this is unheard of, right? They were the Never champions last year. Mid-tournament. <laughs> they fired three guys. And then it seemed like the, the guy that they hired, who they were going to hire to take the program next year, they moved it up by six months. But basically, he was like the fourth guy standing way over there. And they're like, okay, these three guys are long. Keep moving along the bench. You're the head guy. <laughs> right. Nuts. But they yeah. probably could have used Puglia Yarby. Right? I don't know why Edmonton didn't save him or send him. I don't get it. I don't think it was right. Um, he's and been, the kid sat around for a month that he could have been playing, and now he's going to the American League. Yeah, he's been playing like six minutes, seven minutes a night. He, you know, and yeah, why not give him the He'd be the hero. You know, he'd be great. Get tons of ice time. He was. Well, yeah, big. whether he's the hero or not, go play. Right. Yeah, weird. So, I don't know. That was yeah. a bizarre decision for me. Um, yeah, the Metrovision is shaping up nicely. One of the things that Torts has done, and, and you as a former NHL player, I think you would probably endorse this. Uh, he's kind of, I don't know if he's done it 100% of the time, but the morning skates. He's gotten rid of these things, and I've heard you, various platforms, complain about the morning skates and what, you know, I mean, they, they, they come from the 1930s or 40s or whatever. Um, what do you think of Torts doing that, and is this something Fabulous. we're going to see more of? I hope so. <laughs> like, for the player's sake, I hope so. Like, there's, outside of going to shoot a couple of pucks because it's routine. Okay. What are you doing? You're you're working out twice that is it, day. Is it a twenty Every minute other day? You what work is, out once. What is it? Twenty minutes? How how, how long? Depends. Do they, twenty oh. thirty minutes. Okay. But part of it is so you got something to do. There's no question about that. That that's number one. Number okay. two is that you're um, they want guys up and moving a little bit, but you could still have meetings. Come to the rink, have a meeting. Yeah. You know, do your video, yeah. and then come to the rink ready to play. Like, I, I don't, there's no, to me, there's no benefit of loosening up, warming up, going out and skating around at 1030 in the morning, and then going home, eating, taking a two-hour nap. Like, how are you loose? How did that even help you? Well, yeah, because you're just napping. Now you're a sloth. Right. You're, yes. <laughs> and then you're energized to go back to the rink. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, they, and again, this goes back to the schedule and the compressed, mm-hmm. compacted nature of it. Um, it. It makes more sense to me to not have them than to have them. Apparently, they were put in years ago to help the guys sweat out from the night before boozing. Yes, Is 100%. that true? Is that Those true? Those guys were riding around on the train. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, so they're having some boring. Some... They're playing cards, having a few. And then okay. some, some coach decided, wait a minute. Right. These guys smell like a brewery, so I better get them in in the morning and have them sweat that out. Good strategy, actually. Yeah, not bad, but no, not applicable yeah. nowadays. They were also playing 50 games. Yeah. yeah it's not, not to say their way was easier, because it wasn't, mm-hmm. but all the teams were on the East Coast. There were short little train trips around. You know, it wasn't you know, physically nowhere as demanding as, right. as the guys have to go through today, but... Um, yeah, that's so, that's where it started. So we know so it's it would a, be nice to know it's going to end. Well, yeah, exactly. So the NHL oftentimes is, is a copycat. Monkey see, monkey do. I mean, do you see other teams doing this? Uh, lots of teams now have optionals. Okay. Where they strongly advise the option. Okay. So there's lots of skates I go to, you know, go see in the morning, and there's like six guys on the ice. The black and, and they're the and three of them Usually are the guys the that sit out. Usually the starting goalie who wants a few pucks, yeah. and then a couple guys that aren't playing, and maybe usually one or two guys that are in a slump or not feeling good about their game. Sure. Oh, I didn't. I would think the starters wouldn't do it because of just. Oh no! They oh. a lot of those guys they want pucks in the morning. Okay. All right. They're crazy anyway. <laughs> who knows what the hell they think? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, it should be interesting to see what happens if a a literally a seventy year old tradition goes away. You know, more and more. That'll be interesting to see. It should. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but hey, whatever. Um, moving on from there, um, I I guess looking at the schedule since you've been gone, uh, the Colorado Avalanche they, they've gone into into a free fall. Um, like it's bad, and they they have talent. They're not, 
you know, you look at Phoenix and, you know, they don't have Max Domi and you look at them and I think you can go, yeah, I see that. Like, First you know, of all, that's a $10 fine. You can't call them Phoenix anymore. Oh, dude, Arizona. I did that yeah. before. Somebody called me out on Twitter. I'm so yeah, bad. Can't do it anymore. All right, Arizona. Um, you owe me 10 bucks. Yeah, I'll get on that. I'm the fine fund. <laughs> um, you look at the Islanders and you're like, okay, Tavares, but they, they had some, some lost guys uh, over the – I get some of these guys why these teams are struggling. I don't get the Colorado as bad as they are. They're 27 points um, when you look at their, the, everyone they have on paper. But what, what do they do? What should they do, Ray? Well, see, I look at them on paper and I think this has been a three-year – minimum quest for defensemen. Mm -hmm. They can't keep the puck out of their net. They've now, much like the Oilers in the past, all these players know is losing. Lose, 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 lose. One little blip of success, but lose, lose, lose. Eventually, you don't know anything else. Mm -hmm. And I don't see there's any way but to cleave right into the middle of the dressing room and move one or two really big pieces, and remake your team. You don't have a choice. Yeah. They've given up 51 more goals than they've scored. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's bad. It's not even close. The, you know, the only other team, I guess, that's close is Arizona, and they're terrible, too, yep. right now. But for Colorado, you know, they talk about this core of guys that they signed, um, you know, guys that were supposed to help them, um, you know, build a, a strong foundation uh, into the future. And what it's done, is, as it's turned out, is it's handicapped them. They have $52 million committed into next year's salaries. So Eric Johnson, Duchesne, Landeskog, Barry, Varlamov, um, I think that's pretty much it. That's five of the, you know, five of their main core. Yeah. Um, those guys are signed into like 2019. Like, what are you going to do? Right. So if you, if you get into moving Landeskog and or Duchesne, then you're remaking the team. Is and that, I think they have to do it. Is that who you do? Like, who's not movable? McKinnon? Who's, uh, who do you like that you would keep? Oh, I mean, I like the players. Yeah. I don't like them together. Okay. Because together they've shown me that they can't win. Duchesne they, seems like a you – know, It's just like, yeah. look, I like Taylor Hall as a player, yep. but when Taylor was in Edmonton – and they had Hall and Everly and Nugent Hopkins and, oh, look at all these guys that are going to score. And it, it never worked. Mm-hmm. So you had to break that up. Yep. It doesn't mean you think the players are bad. It means they don't work together. So for me, I would keep McKinnon. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, would, I, would move, well, I would move anybody that can bring me um, a defenseman, like a top end. I'm not moving Matt Duchesne. For a defenseman that I've got questions about, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not moving Gabriel Landeskog for a draft pick and a pretty good defenseman. Like you, you're trading guys that will make an impact on their new teams. You need an impact back. Yeah, and that therein therein lies the biggest problem that Joe Sakic has, because the team you need to make this deal with, they have to have an abundance. Of defensemen that can make an impact. Yeah, the uh, how easy is that? And and Adam Larson has fit in well, but uh, in my opinion, and I'm not the expert here. I'm the dude on the couch, but I don't. I thought Taylor Hall was worth more. But what are you going to do? Like you said, teams you love. Got, yeah. I mean, you can say it's like selling a house. You can say it's worth whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. If nobody's buying it, yeah, then it's not worth that. Yeah. So I can say, hey, Taylor Hall's worth a player way better than Adam Larson. I'm sure Peter Shirelli called around and called other teams, and Adam Larson was the best fit for the Oilers. That's what they did. Colorado's going to have to do the same thing because what they're doing now is they are just squashing what was a really, really good hockey place. And they got spoiled. I mean, they they moved from Quebec to Colorado and won the Stanley Cup right away. Yeah. You know, I mean, so they think, oh, that's what you do all the time. <laughs> and they're in a dark time right now, and they've got to change the course. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's not good, no doubt. And um, maybe Patrick Waugh knew something, Ray. Maybe Maybe Patrick... he did, and maybe this is where most of the issues really began. Yeah, true, true that. You know, like a, a, a definite um, 
oh, what's the word, uh, a, a definite clash of ideas about yeah. what he thought the core might be and what apparently, they might be able yeah. to do. And apparently he was, clearly, yeah, he was know, really, they're, they're uh, very good. apparently he was really upset about Tyson Berry getting re-signed, didn't want him, didn't, thought he was terrible. That's just what I read, but I don't know. Well, we'll see. I, I would say it's not just one guy. Yeah. Um, you know, that might have that been um, like a little bit of the breaking point. Right. Interesting. I've been waiting to talk to you about this uh, uh, all show, and, and we were supposed to do one last week, and again, you were busy at the World Juniors. but So it's a little old news, but i got to get your opinion on it. Uh, former NHL forward Steve Downey played for a number of teams over the years, Arizona, Philly, Tampa. Uh, kind of went on a Twitter rant at all and about um, – well, really, kind of a little bit about Arizona and a little bit about Don Cherry. He, uh, someone had, I think, someone prompted him with 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 a gif of him uh, hitting Dean McCammon back in the day, mm-hmm. and and then Downey kind of went off and said, "This is what happens when you watch Don Cherry rock'em sock'em videos." I still think about what I did to Dean and caused him to go through his family. I. I I wish I'd never played. I did what Don said to do every Saturday night, and then you know he kind of went on against Don, went against Arizona uh, again. Um, what'd you t- what'd you take on this? I mean, Downey played on the edge. He's got been suspended. He he was known for being a bit of a of a headhunter, a guy who would come at you at forty miles an hour. Um, but now he's kind of saying like, "Hey, sorry." <laughs> what's your take on? Well, that? I I would say um, when I read it, I was. Um, like everybody else, I was a little bit taken aback. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, had I read this four or five years ago, I would think about it differently than now. Um, I read that as a guy that's got some issues um, that he's dealing with. I mean, he wrote about it in that in that Twitter thread. Mm-hmm. He talked about the after effects of concussion. And, yep. um, and so, you know, to to dismiss it as oh, this is just a crazy guy that's off and ranting, would be incredibly wrong because he's a player that has these feelings uh, somewhere bubbling up inside him that are real. And I I don't know how you're not concerned for somebody's well-being. When when I read that, that was my thought. Now, Don Cherry's videos at the time, they were the most popular – videos out there everybody bought them that's the way the game was played that's what was celebrated um it's almost like steve downey who i don't know Mm -hmm. um has a little buyer's remorse yeah you know like he's he's remorseful about the way that he played and i'm sure there's probably more than just him uh, that feels that way and he would you know and I mean, he verbalized it or he publicized what his feelings are yeah. and the way that he feels about the game that he played. And you know what? It must suck. It must, it must be, if it was that fresh or that raw um, for him to come out and speak like that, yeah. um, he, must, he must think about this not once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, really, it's a number of tweets, like you said. It's a number of things that he got off his chest, including some, you know, making, you know, pointing out that um, Arizona didn't treat him well and this and that. But I mean, a, a little bit of it, like you said, buyer's remorse. It's like Steve. I'm sure he got talked to by the player, uh, the safety department uh, of the oh, NHL. Oh, many times. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know. Okay, but so so the way he stayed in the game, you know, if you, you know, was to be really physical, to be on the edge, to um, you know, to, he had Steve Downey could make a play. I mean, teams yeah. acquired him because they felt, man, he can help protect some of our um, skilled guys because he can play with them. He can skate. He always could skate. Yeah, could skate and he could make a pass, could make a play, could score once in a while. Yep. And but he just couldn't couldn't keep that part separate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from the part that went over the line, and you know, I think I think he got twenty games for hitting McCammond. Yeah. That was a brutal hit. Yeah, behind the net, it was just. Uh, yeah, it was brutal, yeah. and that hit, in most cases, thankfully, he's gone from the game. Yeah. Um, also, too, I heard the best story over the break. I don't know what. It's reading the Toronto Star, I think, online or something. But so Brendan Shanahan, uh, up and coming, rising amateur hockey player, um, back in the day from Toronto, goes to a Leaf game and asks Rick Vive, 
for an autograph, and Vive blows them off, and uh, for whatever reason, who knows? Ray, you've been there. I'm sure you blew some people right. off. It happens. Yeah, it happens. A lot of times, a lot of times happens, and then later on, you're like, "Damn, I should have just signed that thing." <laughs> so, smash cut a few years. Shanahan makes the NHL as a number two pick overall. Rookie season, he's in Maple Leaf Gardens. He said he jumped Rick Vive. And he really went to town on Rick Vive. And, and Vive even said something to a, a Devils uh, teammate of Shanahan saying, what's up with that kid? And the guy was like, I don't know. He says you never gave him an autograph. Uh, and Vive was like, geez. And so this now, like, I want to say, like, this story may be a little bit old. Five years ago, six years ago, they posed for a photo with, with Brendan's kid. And Brendan and Rick Vive. Rick Vive was very smart to do this. I love this story. It's awesome. Well, just... Just think, though, like, so whatever was boiling up inside of him, right. he, must, he must, for all those years when he was a little kid, right? and, and then he, he sees them, and then must go, okay, that's it. I'm fixing this right now. <laughs> that's what I mean. It's so epic. And then Vibe even asked, like, what is up with this kid? He wouldn't stop pounding on me for no reason. <laughs> it's, it's funny that he would have given, you know, like, that it would have that would have been a tipping point for him. Okay, yeah. there he is. Yeah. I have to jump on him. <laughs> Did you have, have to start? I have to start punching him, and I'm not going to stop. <laughs> I'm sure. And then Vive wisely took a photo years later with Brendan's kid. Uh, well, and you know the funny part is you know Rick's around Toronto a lot. Yeah, it's not like they're not going to see each other, which is even more funny. And you know, like the. Um, uh, you know, the Gary Roberts and uh, Chris Draper thing at the outdoor game. Yeah, yeah. Like, eventually, don't you realize, everybody, that we're in our 50s? Like, who cares? Right. They, and that was legit. They got into it. It was great. Like, I, I don't know. I was like, I was watching that, and I'm like, you know, everybody was, or it seemed like a lot of people were like, oh, my God, look how fierce they were competing. And my thought was, what the hell's wrong with you guys? <laughs> right, right. What's, you guys need some therapy? What's going on? Like, man, oh, man. Um, Which is reason number 211 that I don't, uh, well, I was don't play. That's where I was going games. with this. So you, you don't yeah. got the greatest knees, but you do get around. Uh, you've, oh, never play, you've never played in these games. Uh, well, I've never been asked, so that would be the first one. You've never and, been asked? Um, nope. And um, I probably would play, I think, if, if I were asked somewhere. How does the Islanders not ask you two years ago when they did those games? With oh, I never heard from anybody. I mean, the whale I get, the thrashers I get. <laughs> the Kings, you were well, barely on the Kings. but Well, yeah, but, you know, I'd, I'd play for sure. Oh, I thought you didn't for, want what to. What do you mean? With L.A., I was there for three and a half years. Oh, were you there like that I was long? there for six okay. weeks. Um, so, anyway... But no, I don't play, and I would play. I, but I assumed you'd been asked to. over and over, and then you just said, no, I don't want to do it. Oh, no. well, we got to get you in one of these games. No, no, we don't. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really not that interested. It'll be just fine. <laughs> if Keith Kachuk can strap him back on and get out there for the Blues... I don't do think it. Big Walt's going to be making too many more appearances. <laughs> hey, actually, uh, it's, it's really sad. I, I, I don't want to... I love Wayne Gretzky. I hated him growing up in Winnipeg because he just destroyed the Jets over and over, right? Um, but I got to appreciate him as I got older, and, and I, I think and I think of off the ice, he sounds like a terrific guy, um, you know, just a real ambassador. Anyways, I, and I feel bad for saying this on a podcast, but I've watched him in two alumni games now. And by the way, how dorky is it that I tape these things and go back and watch them? Yeah, incredibly. I, I just Wendell scored. I fist pumped on my couch when Wendell scored. It just I need help, right? Well, I know you sent me a text. You said, "What a shot!" <laughs> I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> I just can't believe it. It's so awesome to see these guys. But anyways, I'm sad a bit because Wayne doesn't look that good. You know, I guess his game was built on anticipation and instinct, and you know he doesn't play a lot. But yeah, but I mean, if you go to a charity game or reunion game. Expecting to see the players to look the way well, they know. did when they played, then I'd say you're going to be disappointed in a lot of cases. The guys that look the best often are the guys that don't that weren't great players, but they've stayed really active. They just keep playing, yeah. They yeah. keep playing because yeah. they love it, right? They, you know, and that's just the way it is. And then, you know, the guys that look really terrible, in in some cases, are some of the better guys because they never play. They're over it, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, they, they would do something else. And Wayne's so, like, yeah, check check out my records if you need to know anything about me playing. He should just put, instead of his number, he should just put his point total on the back of the helmet. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, all right, well, we we got to get you into these games. I I can't believe it. I just, I figured you turned them down because because you know you're just like you don't play much, you don't care, you're busy. Um, the second part's true, <laughs> right? And um, and actually, the first part's true. Too, so. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, uh, thank you, Ray, for uh, catching up. We'll be back next Monday, of course, everybody. Again, uh, hit, hit us up on Twitter, at Paul Pocky, at Ray Ferraro TSN, I think it is. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, yeah, Ray Ferraro TSN. That's it. Uh, thanks, Ray, uh, and we will, uh, we'll see you next week, man. You betcha. Thanks, everybody. Uh, all the best uh, start for 2017. We'll talk to everybody soon, and uh, next week get your questions in. Steve will, uh, Steve will have that link up to, to get pop some questions into. Will do. All right, man. Thanks. Later, boys. Bye.